Well, good morning. My name is Kyle, and we're so glad that you are here. I think we can all say that we're glad to hear, even with all the crackling noises, right? I think we out-worshipped it. I think we were louder than that. I have no idea what happened, but it's all good, man. We lifted up the name of Jesus. I feel like before I lean into uh, the Word of God this morning that I need to explain something for you. Um, some of you may have seen a picture of me on social media. Um, in fact, some of you have told me that you saw a picture of me on social media, so I feel like I just need to say something right here and just say that I am not an apostate and I still believe in Jesus. I just want to say that. Um, in case you don't know what I'm talking about, I went to a ball game yesterday in this state. I had on the right colors, but some of you would say I had the wrong name on my shirt. That's what I'm talking about. I still believe in Jesus. He is good, and he is faithful, and he is strong. So anyway, we'll leave that. We'll leave that right there. I have more explanation for that, but I'm not going to take the time to do that right now. Um, I want to pose this question this morning. Who do you want to be growing up? Uh, we got asked that question in a different way, and it was asked kind of like this. What do you want to be when you grow up? Can you remember some of the answers that you gave when you were growing up? Uh, you know, people would ask you that question. You know, you were six, seven, eight years old. I wonder how many people in the room actually grew up to become what they said they wanted to be when they were six or seven or eight. I bet some of you would lift your hand. Some of you would be like, I didn't come anywhere close. Like that was the silliest idea ever, or it just became impossible and I never achieved that dream or that desire. But this morning, I don't want to ask, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to ask you now, grown people, who, who, who do you want to be? Who do you want to be? How do you want others to view you? What do you want people to say about you at your funeral, if you will? And so let me just kind of like make this really simple because that's a really broad question. And let me just put two words to choose between uh, and making it simple. And these two words are good or bad. I mean, just making it really simple. Who do you want to be? Do you want to be good or do you want to be bad? Now, I'm working on the assumption that since you took time out of your schedule and out of your life to come to this place where we worship in the name of Jesus and we declare his name and we talk about his word, that there is definitely a piece of you, whether you would say you are good or whether you would say you are bad right now, you came here today with some hope that something could be said, something could happen in your life, something could change to the point that if you are bad, you won't be known as bad anymore, that your life can be changed so radically that people will now start calling you good. I think that that's, oh, I don't think any of us want to live the rest of our life and have everybody say about us, yeah, they were the worst person I ever knew in my life. I, I just don't think that's the aim of anyone in this room I mean, I think at the end of the day, we, we want to be known as, as a good person who did good things and served others. If you care how other people think about you and whether they think you're good or bad, I would also make the assumption that you care how God thinks about you, views you, and feels about you. And so there is something in you that... When you get to the pearly gates, if you will, you're, you're hoping, you're hoping that God's going to say, yeah, come on in here. I want to give you a quote uh, that's uh, on the screen. It's really an interesting idea to process. And uh, this guy named Edward Carnell, a uh, man of old, he said this, God never urges himself to be good. 
God never urges himself to be good. In other words, God's just good. God's just good. He doesn't wake up and think, well, today I'm going to do my best to do good. No, he, he just is good. He doesn't decide, well, am I going to do good in this situation or am I going to do bad in this situation? He just, he's good. He just goes the way of good every time. We, on the other hand, we know we are making decisions every single day. Am I going to choose this, which is good, or am I going to choose this, which is bad? If we know what is right and what's wrong, we know that we are making conscious decisions between what is good and what is bad. And I would say that knowing what is right or wrong, you knowing what is right or wrong, there have been plenty of times in my life, I'm assuming there have been plenty of times in your life as well, that you knew what was good and you know what was bad. I mean, you knew what was right and you knew what was wrong. And you decided, you know what, today, you know what, I think I'm going to go this way. I think I'm going to choose the wrong thing. I think I'm going to choose that which is bad. And we've made those kind of choices. And if we've made enough of those choices Forget God and his opinion of, of, just, of us for just a moment. If we've made enough bad choices, people around us are like, man, they're a bad dude. They're a bad dude. But what we're hoping is maybe we've made more good choices than bad choices. So the people around us are saying, you know what? They may not be perfect, but they're a good person. And yet we've got God who never urges himself to be good. Because in our minds, what good means here for me and you as people what good means is we choose right more than we choose what is wrong. We choose to do good more than choosing bad. But when it comes to God and defining him as good, we're talking about perfection. We're talking about never, ever choosing to do what is wrong. Never, ever moving to the left or to the right when it comes to what is right. So God is good. He's a perfect God. What he thinks about us matters more than what everybody else thinks about us. He is the one that created us. One of these days, he is going to be the one that judges us. So maybe, just maybe, you've made enough good choices in your life to outweigh the bad, and people would say about you, yeah, they're a good person. Well, that's great, and that's, that's, that's admirable. But what's God going to determine about you? Because God doesn't just see what everybody else sees. God sees everything. Let me say that again. Everything. I'm okay with you seeing some things. You're okay with people seeing some things. You're okay with some people seeing even some of the bad. But everything? Now, wait a minute. God's perfect it's not that he's good because he does more good than bad. He's good because he's perfect. And we have to stand before him one day. Wow, what does God see when he sees me? Look at Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 1. And let's begin to look at scripture together as we think about who we want to be and really let God start speak, speak to us, let him, let him speak to us through his word. Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 1. If you pray, my voice is really weak. Um, about two weeks ago, um, it just kind of went on me, and I've been kind of struggling. Um, and so I don't know about you. It's really hard for me to go to a worship gathering and not sing. I didn't say I can sing. I just said it's hard for me to go to a worship gathering about Jesus and not sing. 
And so I was here this morning, really awesome time together. There were a couple songs. I'm like, I'm going to back off on this one. That's why I sit on the front row, by the way, so you don't have to hear me. But uh, anyway, because I'm really loud. And then I also went to a conference this week where they worshiped on morning, afternoon, and evening, and then the next morning. And so I've been going for it. It probably hasn't been very wise for my voice. And I may have made a little noise yesterday at a ball game. But anyway, so pray my voice will hang in there, all right? Galatians chapter 5, verse number 1. So Christ, it's important we notice who this is. So Christ, Jesus, Son of God, God come forth. So Christ, the Messiah, has truly set us free. Don't let your intelligence be insulted. But I want to ask a really simple question because if we move past it, we've missed it. And this question, look at verse number one. Who has set us free? Okay. So I didn't set myself free. Christ set me free. If I am free, Christ set me free. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Wait a minute, slavery to the law? I thought the law was good. I mean, like, in the law good? I thought you were, thought you were good if you kept the law. I thought we were supposed to fight for it. I thought we were supposed to make sure that it, it stays displayed on the state capitol. I, I thought the law is, is good. Like, wait a minute, don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. The law is good. But listen to me. The law doesn't make you good. The law doesn't make you good. Only Jesus sets you free. Only Jesus makes you good. And when I say good, I mean perfect. I, I mean redeemed, I mean cleansed, I mean washed of all of your sin. It is only Christ that has set us free. I gave you these ideas last week. I want to share them with you again because uh, a couple of reasons. One, uh, there's, I believe with all my heart, all of you weren't here last week, and that's okay. I'm not knocking you. I want you to get this. And also, for those of us that were here last week, we probably didn't fully process this. But it was this idea that we have one of these three different ideas and or beliefs when it comes to how we view God, and it goes with everything we're talking about this morning. This first one is this. Some of you think God is good with you because you have been good. In other words, I feel like I go to church a lot. In fact, I'm here today, and I think God's really proud of me. And, uh, man, can you all just go ahead and bring out them offering buckets because I'm planning on giving today, and God is going to be so glad that I did. And, I mean, I, I looked at my Bible between this Sunday and last Sunday. God likes me. I do. I opened the door for somebody. I shared with other people. God is good with me because I have been good is where some of you fall in your belief about whether God likes you or not, whether God accepts you or not, whether you're going to go to heaven or not. God is good with you because you have been good. The other idea that some of us fall into is this idea that God is mad at me because I have been bad. God is mad at you because you have been bad. Again, maybe this week wasn't a week where you looked at your Bible. Maybe you looked at a lot of other things you shouldn't have been looking at. And you're wondering if we're going to talk about that stuff this morning because you got kind of some guilt in your conscience right now. And maybe for some of you, it's been a long, long time since you've been to church and you're wondering, like, does anybody else notice that and can I get to slide back in or not? But it's been a long time and I feel bad right now. Maybe you've been making terrible choices. 
Maybe you've been making some just really sinful, ungodly choices. Maybe some of you have been making some choices that if the police officer found out about it, you would be in trouble according to the law of the land even. And you're wondering right now, does God hate me? Is God mad at me? Because I have been bad. Some of you in the room are like, wait a minute, I thought only good people came to church. You, we let bad people in here? They let me in here. And by the way, it's why we let you in too. We let anybody in because this third one's where we need to land. Okay, and that is this. God is good with you because Jesus is good. God loves you. You're his child. You belong to him, not because you have done good, but because Jesus is good. It brings to life this thing that we sing about, talk about, and say we believe in that Jesus lived a perfect life, died on a cross, bled to death for our sin and our shame, and came back from the dead. That Jesus he and his work on the cross and his resurrection is the reason why God is good with us. It's because of Jesus. It's because of Jesus. The last thing we want to do is give you a morality gospel. This idea that if I do more good than bad and I show up to church enough and I act the way I ought to act and I talk the way I ought to talk and I walk the way I ought to walk and do what I ought to do, then God's going to be good with me. You may be known as a good person if you do that, but that's not going to cause you to belong to God. Are those things important? Yes, and we're going to look at that this morning. But only Jesus can bring you out of your sin, forgive you, and put you in right standing with God. So, so how do we get good? I mean, we want to be good. That's a good thing. How do we get good? Look at Galatians chapter 5, drop down to verse number 16. I'll pause before I read that and make this clear. Belonging to God as his child, becoming a saved person, becoming a redeemed person only happens when we admit how bad we are, admit how sinful we are, and admit how perfect Jesus is and our desperate need for him and our forgiveness and his forgiveness in our life. That's when this whole thing begins, okay? That's the point of salvation. That's the point where God moves into your life and does something for you that you cannot do for yourself, which is make you right with him. So if you have done that in your life, you've crossed the threshold and you've said, I'm going to place my faith in Jesus, not my good works. I'm going to place my faith in Jesus and Jesus alone and I'm going to ask him to forgive me of my sins. He makes you one of his own. Now look at Galatians chapter 5, verse number 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit, notice that name, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then, okay, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. I want to give you this big idea this morning. I want you to get it. I want you to think about it. I want you to leave here thinking about it. I want you to think about it for weeks and months and years to come. And here it is. Don't underestimate the Holy Spirit. Some of you are potentially not even aware of who the Holy Spirit is. 
and his residence in your life if you are a believer. This whole awareness thing matters. It matters a lot. You you ever been speeding before and you get pulled over and you're like, why is this guy pulling me over? What's the deal? So he's moving a little faster, aren't you, son? Like, I was doing 55, and he's like, you're in a 45. And you had no idea, right? You had no awareness. Do you remember the sinking feeling in your heart when he said, you're in a 45, running a 55? You remember that? You have this awareness that happens in your life. Oh, my goodness. You ever not connected with somebody? Maybe you were supposed to meet up and have lunch or whatever it was, and, and you know, and, and, and they call you up about an hour after you were supposed to be there, and like, where were you? What happened to you, man? Like, what, what went on? And you're like, I, I didn't even know. Like, you you sent me a text? I didn't, I didn't get the text. In that moment, you're like, man, I feel like I failed him, right? Like I didn't do, but, but I wasn't aware. Some of you may not be aware as believers, the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you. This is big because what we're talking about when we talk about Christianity and following Jesus is way, way, listen, way more than praying a prayer. We're talking about following Jesus now. And the only way you can do it and the only way I can do it is the one who lives within us, the Holy Spirit. So I say let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Look at verse 17. The sinful nature wants to do evil. I've got this in me. You've got this in you. Your sweet, precious kids have it in them. Your sweet, precious grandkids now and or one day when you have them, it's going to be in them. Oh, not them. Oh, no. They're precious. Have you ever noticed how differently grandparents talk about kids than parents talk about kids? You ever notice that? Like, my kids need Jesus. And they need Jesus. Guess why they need Jesus? The same reason I need Jesus. I've got this desire in me that just comes naturally to do things I shouldn't do. So he goes on here in verse The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is the opposite of what the who wants to do? The spirit wants to do. Okay? And the spirit, Holy Spirit, gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. So now if we're believers, we've got this desire given to us by God to do what is right and what is holy and what is good, and we've still got this thing in us that just says, you know what, I kind of like being comfortable. I like being, you know, there's certain things that are wrong that like I've just come to a place, I just, I like them. I like them. I don't care what anybody thinks, or maybe I do care what people think, and I kind of hide out over here, but I've got my stuff, and hmm. We've got these two desires within us. Look now um, on there in the verses. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you're not free. Wait a minute. It said we're free. Now it says you're not free. Listen. So you're not free to carry out your good intentions. Verse 18. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. Not under the obligation of the law of Moses. I thought earlier we said the law is a good thing. It is a good thing. This verse is not intended to declare that right and wrong do not matter. It's telling us, though, that when you experience a greater power than the law, known as the Holy Spirit of God in your life, 
You are now able to do things that you were not able to do before that bring honor and glory to Jesus. You're no longer making decisions based on guilt, fear, and or consequences. Let's be honest. Some of us don't do bad things because we're afraid we'll get caught, right? Right? Y'all are really quiet this morning, and that either means I'm not connecting or I'm really connecting. I don't know which one it is. So, I, you, know, you know what I'm saying? Some of us do good things rather than bad things, honestly, because we're afraid if we do the bad thing, we'll suffer the consequences for it. Am, am I correct on that? Okay. Now, that's not a bad thing. But we're talking about something higher and greater than that. We're talking about the Spirit of God changing your desires now. Causing you, leading you, and empowering you to do what is right and what is good that the law cannot cause you to do. You start making decisions based on the power of the Holy. Again, it's an awareness thing. The Holy Spirit, believers, believers, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. The Holy Spirit is not trying to be good because the Holy Spirit is God. He's never urging himself to be good. It's just who he is, and he lives inside of you now, and he's doing something in you. Look at verse 19. Maybe this is why everybody's quiet because we know this verse is coming. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, verse 20, idolatry, sorcery, Hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, verse 21, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. It's quite a list, isn't it? It should should bother us when we read that list to think, whoa, where where am I? What what am I doing? What What am I all about? What am I focused on? What am I saying yes to? What am I saying no to? And the latter part of um, verse 21, here's what it says. Let me tell you again. As I have before, Paul writing, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Can we agree that's a very hard saying? And I wrestled with this, but this morning I'm going to not try to explain that as much as I'm just going to allow the Spirit of God to do with that whatever he wants to do in your life. Because it's the Word of God and I trust it completely. So I don't know what that does in your heart right now. I don't know what that stirs in your spirit right now. But I'm believing that the Holy Spirit's going to be the one to do that. We've spoken the name of Jesus here. And... Our enemy cannot be present in the name of Jesus, and so we speak the name of Jesus. And so I'm believing that Jesus, through his Holy Spirit, is the one that's going to tell you what you need to hear as we read verse 21. I do want to say this, though. 
we, and when I say we, I mean your pastors, I mean this church, we believe in this truth, and this is the simplest wording I can give to you. We believe in the security of the believer. In other words, we believe that when you place your faith in Christ, asking him to cleanse you of your sin and he makes you his child, we believe that you're his child forever. We believe that you don't earn your salvation and we believe you don't have to work to keep your salvation. But we also believe in the spiritual transformation of the believer. Meaning, if you are a child of God, the Holy Spirit is consistently and constantly and powerfully working in your life to take you from who you used to be to who God wants you to be. So, if you have believed in Jesus and you're his child, we believe that you're always his child, but we also believe that he is constantly changing you. And if you're at a place in life right now and you're not allowing God to work in your life, you're not, you're not listening to him, you don't care what he thinks, you're doing your own thing, you don't even care what anybody else thinks for that matter possibly until you get caught. I would say to you, where's the spiritual change that God does bring about in the life of the believer? Because we believe in the security, but we also believe in the spiritual growth and the spiritual transformation. The Holy Spirit is go. listen to me, believer, the Holy Spirit is going to change you. The Holy Spirit is going to redirect you. The Holy Spirit is not going to allow you to stay where you are if you are in sin. Again, awareness, awareness that the Holy Spirit lives in you, allowing him to speak into your life, allowing him to redirect you, allowing him to guide you in your life. Let me tell you how you respond to this if you are a believer and the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you and the Holy Spirit has just pointed out something to you that should not be there. Let me tell you how you respond to this believer with repentance. God, I am so wrong. I am yours and I've not been living like your child. I am so sorry. Here's what I have done. Change me. I'll do whatever it takes. I will get away from whatever it is. I will get away from whoever it is. I am yours and I want to start acting like it. I want to start acting like it. Galatians 5, look at verse 22. But, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I want to see those lists again. I'll go back to verse uh, 22 on the screen. I want to see it. This is what the Holy Spirit brings about. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I know all of you are sitting there right now, and you're like, that's how people describe me right there. They use those words to describe me. <sighs> yeah. Some of you feel better right now, don't you? Some of us are on the struggle bus, aren't we? 
We're like, I may be pulling one of those right now. And yet if you really read what's there, you realize that those things are the outflow of one thing. Therefore, all those things should be in all of our lives as believers. Whoa, 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 whoa. You may be like, I'm, I'm, I'm not very patient, and I'm just not very kind. I was describing myself right there. I'm not a patient man. I'm not naturally kind. I don't know, you know, what of these that you would just, I mean, and there's more, but like, <laughs> that I struggle with, but I'm saying those are two big ones for me. So maybe for you, you got your one or two that you're really, really struggling with. Like, yeah, I just, yeah, that's, that's the one. That's the one I struggle with. And maybe it's two, and yeah, those, that, that's, that's me. Uh, maybe, maybe we would say something like this. Well, it's just my personality. Or that's just the way I am. Who doesn't have personality? Don't answer that question. Okay? Or maybe you want to go deeper than personality, and that feels a little surface level for you. And Maybe you want to go deeper, and you want to, you want to talk about your past for just a minute. Like, you don't understand what all I have been through, therefore I am the way I am. I mean, if we want to tell stories about our past, I mean, who's got the worst story in the room, right? Everybody raise your hand, like mine, right? You've been through your stuff, I've been through my stuff, people have done stuff to us, people didn't do stuff that they said they were going to do. I mean, we have been through it. It would be a sob fest in this room if just three people just stood up and honestly told uh, the dark secrets of their past and the things they've experienced in the room. Now, listen to me. I am not underestimating and making little of your personality. And, and I am definitely not underestimating and making little of your past. Some of you, your past, it's just, it's created some triggers in you, right? Somebody says something and it just, it, it triggers you, Right? It could, it could be a defensive mechanism it triggers into or an offensive mechanism it triggers. But your past, I mean, it triggers you. You've got a default mode, potentially, you go into when something happens that reminds you of the past. Our personalities are strong. Our past is strong. Listen to me, though. If you are resolved to stay stuck because of your personality or because of your past... Listen to me. You have underestimated the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is stronger than your personality. And the Spirit of God, listen to me, this is the, this is the, this is the, the Spirit of God is better than your past. Do you see what we just declared there? We declared an honest assessment of your past and how horrible it is. And what we're declaring as truth today is that the Spirit of God is better than your past. And that the Holy Spirit can overcome anything and everything in our life. This is the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. I'm thinking if he can pull that off, he can deal with my personality and he can deal with my past and your past. Don't underestimate the Holy Spirit.
So here's the deal. I've got my personality and I've got my past. You've got your personality and you've got your past. When things like love and joy and peace and kindness and goodness and gentleness and meekness, I'm telling the way I've memorized them, temperance and faith, when those things start showing up in our life, guess who we don't get to point to? Why? Because that's not me. Who do I have to point to when those things start showing up in my life? Help me out. Come on. This is when you talk. Come on. I'm going to say it, and then you say it. Holy Spirit. Yeah. Him. When these things, you see, this is not about me being a good person and people remembering I'm a good person. This is about Jesus changing me and them noticing the Holy Spirit at work in my life. Oh, may the Holy Spirit take over in this church. And I'm a part of this church, so I'm, I'm in it with you. May the Holy Spirit take over in this church. And when I say church, I mean the people. Oh, may the Holy Spirit take over within his church. Look at verse 24. Um, those who belong, very important to remember this, those who belong, you're connected, you're related, you're inseparable now to Christ Jesus. Because of your faith and because of what he has done, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified him there. This is more awareness. If you're a believer, you belong to Jesus. If you're a believer, you are a child of God. If you're a believer, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. But then it talks about this part about nailing it to the cross. You're like, wait a minute, I thought Jesus went to the cross like over 2,000 years ago. I thought he paid for all that sin on the cross. He did, but if you'll recall, he didn't just call us to pray a prayer. He called us to follow him. And how did he describe following him? As being one of his disciples who take up their cross. How often? Daily and follow him. So how often do I have to crucify, say no to, say no more to, and claim the power of the cross over the nature that I have every single day? Every single day. Again, verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed. So if you're a believer, this is what you do. If you're not doing this, this is what you ought to do. Again, awareness. If you didn't know this, you know it now. Do something with it. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified him there. They die. That's not me anymore. Take your stuff to the cross. Take your desires to the cross. Take your sinful nature. Has anybody got them besides me? Any, anybody in the room that willing to admit you've got some sinful nature in you? All right. 14 of you were honest this morning. Praise God. The rest of you should have raised your hand, lying in church. <laughs> Maybe if I don't raise my hand, they won't know. <laughs> I know your spouse. I was kidding. We've all got our stuff, right? And now we know that what we've got to do every single day is just, just go to Jesus and allow him to take that away. Let Jesus redeem all of you and all parts of you for his glory. Experience on a daily basis the resurrection power. The same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. Verse 25. Since we are, this is like, like pretty confident this is what we do now. Since we are living by the Spirit. Okay. In other words, if you're alive spiritually, 
It's because of the Spirit of God. He brought you to life. You were dead in your sins, and the Spirit of God gives you life. So if you're a believer, you are living by the Spirit, okay? You're alive spiritually through the Holy Spirit of God. So since we are living by the Spirit, let us also follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. To think that God would send Jesus to die for us, suffer the way he did, which is horrific, and if you think about it, you will begin just to lose it, the suffering that Jesus went through. For him to come back from the dead, to give us his Holy Spirit, and to give us new life when we simply say, I'm wrong, you're right, I'm a sinner, you're the Savior, and allow the Holy Spirit to come into us, and to think that we would go through the rest of our lives after praying that prayer, if you will, and saying, you know what, thanks for the get out of hell free car, but I think I'm going to do the rest of this thing by myself. Surely if we are living by the Spirit, we will follow the leading of the Spirit. In every, everybody say every. Every. Every, every. every part of our lives. Well, man, when I come to church, I'm going to do my best. Yay, Jesus, what do you want? How about marriage? How about in parenting? How about at the workplace? How about in your downtime? How about in your hobby time? How about in your ball game time? In every part of our lives. Question four, it's going to come on the screen. That is this. What would happen if all of us would let the Holy Spirit lead us in all parts of our life? I've got an answer for you because the word of God goes ahead and answers it in the book of Ephesians. It says more than we can imagine or think. That's what would happen. And I'll follow up and say, let's find out. Let's find out what that looks like in supernatural reality in our lives when we, God's church, just say, you know what? Holy Spirit, you're the one that tells us what to do. I'm going to set aside my personality. I'm going to set aside my desires. I'm going to set aside my wants. I'm going to set aside my stuff. I'm going to set it all aside. Y'all are getting really uncomfortable right now. I can feel it. I am too because I've got my stuff too. But what if we set all that over there and said, you know what? You tell us what to do. For me personally, you tell me what to do. As a church, you tell us what to do. What would happen if all of us would let the Holy Spirit lead us in all parts of our life? Don't underestimate the Holy Spirit. And so I'm believing this morning that the Holy Spirit is um, working in hearts and lives this morning. I know he's in mine. We want to give you an opportunity in just a few moments to respond to the Holy Spirit and how he's working your life. Maybe for some of you, you're like, man, I, I need him in my life. I have been trying to do more good than bad and it hadn't been working and I'm blowing it bad and I need that Savior that you've been speaking about. I need that Spirit that you've been speaking about. You can receive Him today. If you need to pray and receive Christ and begin following Him daily, man, that can happen today. Myself and other pastors are going to be up here. We can pray with you, man. We can point you to Jesus this morning. Maybe you're a believer and you're like, you know what? I'm alive spiritually because of the Holy Spirit, but I haven't been allowing Him to direct me in every area of my life, and that's just got to change. And tell Jesus what you need to tell Jesus so that it will begin to change. 
which looks like you saying, Jesus, you're in charge now. You're in charge now. Also, I'm going to give you an opportunity this morning to give. And wow, what a generous church we're a part of. Um, thank you for all of your generosity. We're able to go and share the gospel in this place and in so many others because of your generosity. Made your first time here. You're like, I don't know if I want to come and pray or not, but like, I think I'm going to come back and check this thing out. If you just do a favor, drop that communication card in there. We'd love to connect with you. We'd love to connect with you. But I'm not going to underestimate the Holy Spirit this morning and allow him to do whatever he wants to do, changing your life, changing my life, changing our church for his honor and for his glory. Let's pray.